You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the group think, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the conservative conscience. And welcome back to the conservative conscience here at Conservative Review, powered by Blaze Media on this fine Wednesday, March the 6th. And what a week it has been where the truth has come out because here at the conservative conscience, we aim to speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. And now, as we saw yesterday, breaking on our show yesterday, the new CBP numbers, the new border numbers, prove every point we've been making the last number of months uh, on this show, in our writings. By the way, a lot of our writings are getting around. Our latest article is up on Drudge. We will have it in show notes. Now, today... I almost vomited up my lunch because I didn't even have time to eat breakfast. Things are so busy. Watching this ridiculous House Homeland Security Committee hearing where they're grilling Secretary Nielsen. Now, I have my views on her, but kind of feel bad for her when she's up against the Democrats. It's amazing to watch. And I know we have some liberals in this audience, and I appreciate you tuning in. This is not a right or left issue. I don't understand how 100% of our focus is on the needs, desires, and wants of foreign nationals. I get it if you want to personally dedicate your life, open up a missionary, do things in different parts of the world, God bless you. But when you're talking about the resources of our government, it's deeply rooted in the social compact, the social contract, that we have a government of, by, and for its citizenry that is in the Declaration of Independence that is the underpinnings of the social compact. If you're a politician, the resources and public policy of the United States are not yours to give away. But yet all they care about after hearing yesterday's briefing is that we're not doing enough for the invaders, all about the needs of the invaders. And of course, if someone, you know, at some point they're invading with families, it's a little different. So they are sick. We're going to try to treat them. But then we're going to do things to ensure that this doesn't happen Again, and keep happening, we got to worry about the American people. Now, there's a very important philosophy behind our government's approach, and even CBP, their obsession about managing, building more facilities, humanitarian, rather than deterring and blocking the invasion. This is all about processing, apprehending, sometimes arresting. Shouldn't this be all about holding the line and preventing people from coming here to begin with? Now, yesterday we discussed a lot about the severity of what's happening at and near and around the points of entry with the hundreds of family units at a time surrendering themselves. I'm going to have a piece out today uh, quantifying in 12 statistics just how bad this is. And then, again, all it does to drain the resources, the Border Patrol, everything – and certainly the cost to Americans on that, the health crisis. But what I want to discuss today with our special, very special guest we're going to have on is what happens as a result of this 
between the points of entry far off in remote areas on the ranch lands of our American citizens that are basically doormats for the cartels to have a free reign, knowing that there's almost nobody there, very little fencing in many areas or not substantial enough in other areas, and very little presence of Border Patrol where they could just come in this is where you have the drug activity. This is where the criminals who don't want to surrender to agents because, you know, they'll pull up their records and they'll arrest them. So they want to get in uh, surreptitiously. This is where they're going to come in. What about the effect on the ranchers? And then also, what about the effect on the rest of America by letting them get in through the ranchers and us not apprehending them? Are we doing everything we can, even with the resources and policies we have? to stop even the criminal elements that we're not giving asylum to? That is the question. To answer that, we're going to bring on today a really special guest, a truly great American, someone just that just reminds me of America as it was, as it should be. Um, Jim Chilton and his wife, Sue, they're family ranchers ever since the 1800s in Arizona. He has a 50,000-acre ranch, massive, massive ranch at the border west of Nogales in Pima County, Arizona. And he just has a whole history, obviously, farming, ranching, um, but was also involved in public policy to you know, give over some of the economic analysis, agricultural analysis, and yes, border analysis to public officials. He once served for Arizona's uh, Senator Carl Hayden as an aide. Um, him and his wife have been tapped for various commissions dealing with agriculture by the state. Uh, he was named Rancher of the Year in 2003 by Arizona Cattle Growers Association. And, you know, if you, some of you remember, the Daily Caller put this out last year. He showed the trail cameras on his ranch showing an uninterrupted flow for for like 20 minutes of hundreds of of drug traffickers coming in uninterdicted on his soil uh, last year he was uh, called up by the president on stage at a, at a rally in support of the border wall um but today we're going to talk about a lot more than the border wall so with no further ado jim it's an honor to invite you for the first time to the conservative conscience how you doing i'm doing fabulous and i look forward to our discussion well, Jim, I, I have diarrhea of the mouth already, so I want to get to you. I spoke enough. Um, could you give our listeners a sense just of the lay of the land before we get into the political issues? Just what you know, what's the nature of your ranch, how remote it is, and where, where it's located? My ranch is next to the Mexico-U.S. border. It's uh, 50,000 acres, 30,000 of it, I leased from the U.S. government forest service, and 18,000 acres from the state school trust fund. And my wife and I own a couple of thousand acres, old homesteads spread all around. It's wonderful grazing country. However, the international boundary is marked by only a four-strand barbed wire cattle fence. And the Tucson station of the Border Patrol 
only uh, is located in Tucson, 80 miles from the border. And they come out halfway. Uh, bottom line, a guy comes in, checks out his gun, checks out his vehicle, goes to a briefing, one hour goes by. And then it takes three hours to drive to the international boundary because of the poor roads. So what happens is they only come out about halfway, leaving my ranch and the other ranchers, my neighbors, in a no man's land. Actually, there are cartel scouts on our mountains. Cartel scouts with the best binoculars, uh, satellite phones, radio function, and their purpose is to guide drug packers, drug packers through our ranch and on further north. And the Border Patrol never sees them. They can see the Border Patrol five miles away. It's outrageous that our area is a drug route for the Sinaloa cartel. Well, so first off, Jim, before we get into the mechanics of the Border Patrol's strategy and what, why you feel that's problematic, um, the media tells us that you know walls don't help between points of entry because the drugs come in at points of entry. Um, would you like to comment on that? <laughs> I certainly would. We really need to uh, seal the ports of entry, uh, and we need to eliminate the drug traffic through rural areas like the one uh, I'm in. Uh, it's outrageous that the drug packers come through our ranch uh, a problem with securing the ports of entry is that that'll force more people through our ranch and other ranchers into the bringing people into the United States, drug packers mainly. So tightening the ports of entry is going to cause me and our ranchers more problems. We really need to fill the gap between Nogales and the Sassabe fence and fill it with a, a wall, fence, barrier, whatever you want to call it. you got to plug all the holes, not just the port of entry. And I would encourage our listeners to, as, as you're listening to this show, pull up a Google map and you know take a look at the area on the border west of Nogales, Arizona, you'll see all green. That's federal land. So, you know, the feds, unlike in Texas where you have kind of touchy issues with property, here this should be a no-brainer from Nogales to Sassabee. It's all, you know, federal land, and they should have control of that. So are you saying, um, Mr. Chilton, that basically the American people might have the impression that the border patrol kind of goes up and down and you know actually patrols the border to try to deter the cartels but you're saying in fact the cartels have operatives not just on their mountains on the mexico side but on our side which is on your land and they're there in perpetuity and the the um border patrol never cleans it out never goes to the line of scrimmage to clean it out and then hold the line 
you're saying their their operating base is, you know, I'm looking up there. You go all the way up I-19 to Tucson. You're saying it's very far away, 80 miles. They'll respond. They have sensors. They have different air assets. They'll respond when they see a breach. So my question to you is this. Um, Border Patrol officials have told me that, well, we don't have the resources, but we have the technology. So, you know, as soon as we see them coming, we'll go meet them. And that's how we apprehend them. What is flawed about that strategy? We have cartel scouts on the mountains. They know where the Border Patrol is at all times. If they have a drone coming over once or twice or three times a day, that only identifies a group, but it takes two hours or an hour to get to any group. In the meantime, they're walking, and they spread out, and it's with the cartel scouts directing them, it's almost impossible for the Border Patrol to apprehend them. And these these drugs coming into the country are just awful. It's very difficult for the Border Patrol to uh, outsmart the cartels. L- let me see if I get what you're saying correctly. Are you basically saying that, you know, the problem when you let the cancer come in, when you let the problems, these evil cartels come in, with the intent of saying, hey, I'll let them come in a certain number of miles and we'll be able to apprehend them, is that rather than holding 17 linear miles at the border, if they would be parked in Ford operating bases, which you've offered on your property for them to come there, they they have to they they go they go back. They're they're patrolling from from the backfield. And the backfield, that's you know, hundreds and thousands of square miles. So yeah, then they don't have the resources, and then the cartel's able to game that out. Whereas if you just hold the line, um, if they can't get in, they can't get in. You're correct. Imagine a football team lining up on defense 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage. They would lose every time. The Border Patrol on the Tucson station has 24 miles of uh, border responsibility. They have 650 agents. They have 27 agents per mile. They need to be at the international boundary. They need a wall, fence, barrier, whatever you want to call it. There are no roads along the international boundary in our area. They need to be at forward operation bases. It's uh, unfortunate that they are stationed 80 miles in Tucson, and hence they claim, oh, I have 4,000 square miles of responsibility. No, Border Patrol, line up at the line of scrimmage. Stop the drug packers, mainly in our area, from coming through. And and also, one of the things I've heard from sheriffs in Texas, I'm wondering if you kind of see this here, is that, you know, so they'll ch- set up secondary checkpoints, um, you know, farther back where they figure, all right, we could catch these guys. But um, isn't it true that because we've had open borders for so many years, so the cartels have an endless number of people already operating in Tucson, in Phoenix, in all sorts of places, so they could just drive down in places where 
they could catch the the um the guys that are going to bail out and you know they'll just avoid the checkpoint circumvent it and they go pick them up whereas again you know you're not playing a game of catch and mouse at the border cat and mouse and i would argue i think your analogy could be made stronger it's like a football game if the offense didn't have passing it was only rushing um, you know, see, you do need safeties in the back <laughs> because of the passing game. But here, at the end of the day, I mean, until they find ways to get aircraft in here, which, I mean, there are cases a little bit here and there to talk about that, but mainly they have to walk across. So you're saying you just hold that line um, and you're not going to deal with the carnage that they um, commit while they're in those first number of miles, but also their ability to get away. You're correct. You need to be at the line of scrimmage and you need a backfield. And by letting uh, these drug packers through and uh, undocumented immigrants through, uh, they cause all kinds of problems. For example, um, the fire started by the smugglers has really been costly. Uh, more specifically, in 2011, we had the Murphy Complex fire started by smugglers, cost $7.5 million by the Forest Service to put out. The Sierra Vista fire cost $125 million, uh, burned uh, hundreds of thousands of acres and 60 homes. The Horseshoe One fire uh, burnt and caused the uh, water system of the town of Tombstone to uh, be damaged. Horseshoe Two fire, uh, it cost another $10 million to put out. The Chiricahua fire cost over $300 million to put out, burned 385,000 acres, lots of timber. It's the cost of not securing the border is fundamentally never talked about. Also, bringing in the drugs and poisoning our nation, uh, that's a huge cost for not securing the border. Um, if we secured the border, if we were at the line of scrimmage, uh, we wouldn't have the cost of uh, Justice Department attorneys going through the due process, the court costs. If we stopped the people coming through at the border, we wouldn't have all the detention facilities costs. Uh, cities and counties wouldn't have to be um, funding uh, police cr uh, look chasing after crimes. Um, there's environmental damage also. Uh, I've calculated that there's been over 25,000 tons of garbage dropped by the smugglers and the illegal entrants. So even there's a cost of maintaining morgues in Tucson. We have a morgue full of hundreds of bodies, unidentified bodies. So the cost of not securing the border 
in my opinion, is far greater than the cost of securing it. But but, but you're making an in- – wow, there's a lot to unpack there, and, and I think my audience would, would find that very enlightening. I want to go through each element. I want to get to the fires because that, that was something that I never even really knew much about. Um, but before the fires, just to the general point you're making is that when people talk about securing the border and then the government says, yeah, we need to secure the border, but what they mean is not – what a lot of people would envision. I mean, either it's an invasion or not. Are you essentially saying that your 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 problem is our government in its philosophy and it this comes out with all its policies? They're treating this like a law enforcement issue, like uh, like an investigative issue. You know what? There's been a crime. Our censors have picked up that there's been a breach. Let's go out and investigate it. When when really this is an invasion. And there shouldn't be an inch of our soil that's not secure. And you're saying it's not just from a philosophical standpoint, but strategically, because if you would stop it at you know, before they get in, you prevent them all from getting away. You prevent the them from setting fires. You prevent the environmental damage on the way. Um, be, and and I want to point out also to our audience, even if you put aside the debate of the Central American bogus asylum families surrendering closer to the points of entry um this has no bearings on that meaning even if you're going to continue that policy which we shouldn't of course at least hold the line in the rural areas against the drug cartels right correct let's put our border patrol at the line of scrimmage and stop the intrusion the the crisis that we've got it's important because there's also a humanitarian point. The humanitarian point, in my opinion, is, is if you stopped anybody from coming into the country, we wouldn't have people dying in our deserts. In the Tucson station, since 1999, over 2,832 people have died you wouldn't have uh, the bruises and the uh, broken legs and the human costs. Uh, women get raped when they come through. Uh, I have a photograph of a woman who was raped uh, by 18 different guys three times each. Well, on, they, on, on our side of the border? On our side of the border, near our ranch they walk through our ranch so i mean it's the human cost let's secure the border at the border so when you bring this up and i know um there is a petition that you and five other ranchers in the area sent to the tucson station uh to basically bring in um obviously build build the wall there um not this three foot cattle fence that you can get under and over um obviously more technology but the key like you're saying is to get roads and a ford operating base where they're right at the border what does border patrol tell you as to why they're not doing that i mean the wall they need funding for so let's just put that aside for a minute but in terms of the roads and the patrolling along the line rather than from the backstop. I went to the Border Patrol with all the points in the petition that we ranchers petitioned our government and went over each point 
And the response of the then station manager was, I expected a bureaucratic, you know, response of of many paragraphs. And he said, you're absolutely right. So the Border Patrol people (laughs) in general totally agree with the need for a wall, need for forward operation bases, and need to move the 27 agents per mile out to the line of scrimmage. So I spoke with a guy who was a former head of Border Patrol, and he's totally with us politically, policy-wise. Just strategically, he was kind of pushing back, like, yeah, but you know, until we solve the family unit problem, they're all taken off doing that, so we wouldn't have enough agents anyway. But what I'm thinking, and I'm curious your thoughts of this, given that it's your property, if that is true, let's just say that they don't have enough – let's just cede that point for a moment – um, that they don't have enough resources now, given what's going on with the surrendering families. Isn't that why we need the military? And that's something Trump as commander in chief, um, you know, could do unquestionably and deploy the military to constantly hold the line like we do at any other country. They would be invaluable in securing the international boundary. It's really important to secure it for all the reasons we've been talking about. So you're correct. We need the military uh, backing up the Border Patrol. So what I don't understand is if you're okay with it, and it's anyway it's it's federal land, so what's to stop them from from doing it? Are, are they – I, I, so other other ranchers, and I've heard from other officials that, frankly, a lot of them are scared. Is scared in in a way that's just very remote. It's very isolated. Um, they don't, you know, they they don't want to live a life of a soldier in Afghanistan when you're just constantly living on on in, in barracks, just you know, without any 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 much of a life. And what I was thinking is, I understand that, but if it's that bad for them, then you know. Someone's got to do it. So if not them, then the military. What's the military for? Afghanistan. Secure the United (laughs) States. Secure Kabul. (laughs) uh, Right. And it's so important. Um, A wall, for example, was built in the Yuma area, the Yuma station, and 97% drop in the number of crossers or in other words it was at least 97 percent effective and chief beeson who was chief of that station at that time when the wall was built took 200 border patrol agents and moved them uh, further east and so walls work if you had the military there and the Border Patrol, we could secure the international boundary. I was just wondering, from what I've heard, most of their activity seems to be at night and they try to stay out of sight of people. So have you ever seen the smugglers live, not just um, on surveillance? Yes. My wife and I were driving down the road and uh, crossing the road uh, down to the international boundary, uh, about 20 guys were dressed in camouflage 
guy out in front had what appeared to be an AK-47, and you can't believe how they ran like a snake through the country. Also, uh, our we have three motion-activated cameras, uh, three trails uh, that we search take photographs of and we have seen lots of night traffic on our photographs makes sense makes sense that it would be at night um and obviously you had the camera um well first of all i'm i'm trying to figure out the lay of the land your your actual home i'm assuming is not right at the border is that correct Correct. It's uh, 20 miles from the border. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Wow. (laughs) Our ranch is large, uh, so mainly U.S. Forest Service, and it it takes me an hour and a half to drive from my house to the international boundary. And so the Border Patrol really needs good roads just to get there. And then put forward operation bases at the international boundary. We need the military there, in my opinion. And you're willing to have all that on your ranch? Yes, it's a lot better than having drug packers coming through to poison our people. It's a lot better than the risk, to me, uh, of my cowboys getting shot. Uh, It's very important to me that my family is safe. Uh, It's really too bad that we don't have equal protection under the law because the Border Patrol doesn't secure the international boundary. And my ranch is in a no man's land, uh, mainly controlled by the Sinaloa cartel scouts on our mountains. You know, it really hurts me to think about that because I've done a lot of work recently with DA and ICE and um, just uh, on a, on a lot of these drug busts that they've had. And, you know, a lot of people focus on the drugs, but really drugs don't traffic themselves. They don't bring the profits back themselves. They don't produce themselves because sometimes they bring in the raw materials and then they mix it like what they're doing with the liquid meth um, in these big labs. They're busting up in the major cities and they, when they catch them, they find almost all of them are illegals. Now, cartel drug traffickers, they don't come in and surrender themselves. They're going to be coming in in places like this. All these criminals we see that commit murders and you know, you read in the news, well, they were twice deported or five times deported. Well, how did they come back? You, they're certainly not going to come out in plain sight of the agents near the points of entry or at the points of entry because they'll pull up their criminal record. They're all going to come in where you are. So you're saying it's not just that you're, you know, you should be equal. You should your property shouldn't be less secure than mine being in Maryland just because you're on the international border and we are a first-rate country with the, you know, we spend $800 billion on the military for a reason. It should be for us more than Kabul and and, and Raqqa and Baghdad. But you're saying saying ultimately whatever comes in your property, it's it's bad, but it doesn't stay there. It comes more to where I am on the East Coast eventually. Correct. There are over 200 trails out of Mexico coming through my ranch, 
And what happens is the drug packers come through and they drop the drugs at GPS sites. And then uh, criminals and uh, affiliates of the cartel come out of Tucson or Phoenix uh, and pick up the drugs and then carry them further north uh, to poison the nation. The, and then these drug packers turn around and walk back to Mexico. These drug packers are called southbounders, and we see southbounders more often than we see northbounders. That's interesting. You see them more often coming south. Um, I mean, again, what you're describing to me is a lack of sovereignty, meaning this is not an issue of criminal activity. I mean, it includes criminal activity, but fundamentally, it's a lack of sovereignty that they basically have a stomping ground that they could openly operate and do their thing. And you're saying there was never an operation by Border Patrol to come in and root out the area. It's more they'll just come on call, you know, as an on-call basis. I would say they try. The Border Patrol agents in general are really good people. Sure. Um, however, they've given up on trying to root the cartel scouts off of the mountains because they drive up, the cartel scout can see them five miles away, they drive up through the bottom of the mountain, and it takes an hour or two hours to climb up to the top of the mountain. By that time, the cartel scout is headed south or, or into hiding. Uh, it's uh, the Border Patrol tries, uh, but they've given up. They can't. They can't take the scouts off the mountains, and it's very expensive. They've tried helicopters. You bring in two helicopters, one to pin the scout down, and uh, other helicopter to uh, have guys repel and then try to uh, get catch the uh, cartel scout. It's extremely expensive, and so the Border Patrol's essentially yielded our area to the cartel scouts and the drug packers coming through. Wow. I mean, th- to me, that is something that's not being spoken about enough amidst this debate over immigration. What you're describing is not just immigration or illegal immigration. It's it's an invasion. It's sovereignty. It's that you have cartels that are controlling territory when we have over $800 billion we spend on the military deployed in 140 countries. So again, I mean, because I, I know you're going to get into back, back and forth with the agents with some of the, the union issues. Um, the personnel issues, the resource issues, but whatever it is, to me, then it needs the military. It's pretty clear that you need the military in there at least for a period of time until we could stabilize things. Uh, so this doesn't um, this doesn't happen. Um, I'm just curious what it, what do you see in terms of state officials, um, Arizona DPS. And also the governor, the politicians, have you any had any luck uh, communicating with them? The answer is no. Uh, I've never seen a DPS on our ranch. 
Uh, I have never seen uh, the Santa Cruz County Sheriff on our ranch, and uh, as part of my ranch is in Pima County, Arizona, and uh, we do have sheriffs uh, at call. If you call 911 at my ranch, it takes the sheriff an hour to get there, so as a consequence, we are armed. We have to protect ourselves. And I've had as many as 17 drug packers in my front yard. Uh, and uh, I take my rifle and I yelled, all uh, water. And uh, the response was a uniform. See, and I slither over and turn on the hose. Everybody gets a drink and uh, fill up their water bottle, and I yell, adios. Uh, Why why do uh, ranchers like myself get put in that position? If if the military was there to back up the Border Patrol and secure the border, uh, we ranchers, and more importantly, the nation, wouldn't be insecure. Every nation has a right to secure its borders, and they have a right to to establish an immigration program, and and everything should be legal. Uh, The illegal activity corrupts. Uh, our nation, a nation of the rule of law. Sure, and and I think this is what people are missing, where the military really comes in, why this is a military issue. A lot of people think like, okay, I understand you don't like illegal immigration, I understand it's problems, but how is that an invasion? And they forget that there's belligerent cartels that engage in drug trafficking in addition to you know the run-of-the-mill illegal immigration. So um, wow, that that that's amazing. I'm just curious why you do that. Um, why you give them water? It's I mean, it's at a genuine concern, or are you scared? Well, by giving them water and yelling adios uh, and them leaving, uh, it saves me from a possibility of a home invasion. Mm. Uh, and uh, it's a humanitarian thing to do. Uh, uh, I have 22 wells on the ranch, and I have 29 drinking fountains. And so even the druggers coming through, uh, uh, we should provide water. I provide water. Wow. Uh, It's uh, it's only the, the right thing to do. It's, I've had, uh, a helicopter come in at night in the dark and have to turn off my lights and take my shotgun and, and sit in a place where, uh, I can't be seen. And, uh, about 40 minutes later, the helicopter's buzzing in my front yard and it's a big front yard. And pretty soon, Border Patrol shows up and arrests the guy right in the bushes uh, in my front yard. Uh, I fear for my life in many, many times. For example, I found a drug load, uh, four bales of marijuana. And the first thing that went through my mind was that Rob Krentz 
was killed the day after his brother found a drug load. Larry Link, another rancher, was killed the day after he found a drug load. And when I found the drug load, I contacted the Border Patrol. They said that they could be out there, but it was shift change and take an hour and a half to get there. And then when they finally got there, uh, we discovered that the drug packers didn't come back and pick up the load. And there I was with the load. And so for the next three months, uh, I never sat in the house where you could see through a window. I walked fast and slow through a hall where you could see uh, me. I went to Los Angeles for a while uh, to avoid the possibility, and I've been successful so far, of being shot, being killed. A lot of our rancher neighbors have left. They haven't Mm. been able to take the pressure that's on us, and they've left. And I've been asked, well, why don't you leave? And I tell them, we have a family cemetery, and I'm not leaving. I'll either be on top of the ground or below the ground. Wow. I mean, it's just so sad, again, that we have... We're twenty-two trillion in debt because of all the re- you know money we spend on all sorts of things. We spend a tremendous amount on the military, and it should be a baseline that not an inch of our own soil is unsecured. And and again, I think what's what's the problem that we're honing in on today is that everyone talks about securing the border. It's a cliche. Everyone says it. Everyone, even if they don't support it, they say, "Oh, I'm for securing the border." But I think what we're defining, we're defining literally what that means. A lot of the people saying they're securing the border, they don't believe in securing it in the way you're talking about. Um, Again, it's like an investigative crime situation uh, where they don't hold the line and we don't have operating bases. And I know this is true in New Mexico, too. I speak to ranchers. They're in Lordsburg, which is, you know, 50 miles north. Um, They're they're not patrolling that boot heel part of the state, um, at least not regularly. Unless they get intel on something, then they'll respond. And someone's got to hold the line. So if they're going to be more like a domestic law enforcement agency, processing, arresting, fine. But then you know the military's got to do it. My other question to you is what about – we're going through different assets. What about um, BLM or U.S. Forest Service, park rangers? Are, are they ever – is anyone from the Interior Department ever in that area? Not the Bureau of Land Management. Uh, the Forest Service has a couple of three guys who are in charge of uh, law enforcement, uh, but it it's not at all uh, a force multiplier. Uh, we need the military to be a force mo- multiplier. And it's the big problem is is the policy coming out of Washington D.C. is defined as defense in depth. So the border patrol all along the international boundary, uh, like in Lordsburg, uh, they want to patrol 
the United States deep inside the United States and not at the international boundary. Yeah, and again, I think that would surprise a lot of people that they're not regularly going up and down the perimeter itself, the line itself. Um, and that is something we definitely need to get out more. And I think you're right. I mean, a lot of the agents are, all the agents are great guys, but again, border patrol is not autonomous. They're run by CBP. There's a lot of bureaucrats there. There's a lot of problems as are in a lot of agencies. And, you know, at the end of the day, they're just not willing to treat this like an invasion in any, in any fashion. Uh, you, you know, could you describe a little bit what you've seen with the military when, you know, we've deploy the military in the past or deploying them now in different places, but are the, is the military doing military oriented things or are they doing more, uh, administrative work or, or other work? Currently they're doing mainly administrative work. Uh, and I think there's something like 1200 military people, mostly in Tucson at the Tucson station, uh, helping out, and that's wonderful. Our experience in the past with the National Guard being near the border, uh, and one spot on my ranch is about five miles inside the United States. There's a nice mountain, and the National Guard was put on the mountain, and because the cartel knew where they were, uh, these poor guys on top of the mountain were bored stiff because they never saw any action. That's because the cartel simply ran their drugs uh, miles away from that particular spot, which goes to the point, if you're going to have the military at the border, uh, it needs to, we need a line of defense. If it's kind of like a balloon. If you poke the balloon in one spot, it pushes out on the other. Uh, we had an incident where uh, the two board, uh, National Guard guys were sitting on a mountain near the border, uh, and a, a whole group of guys with guns marched toward them, and their orders were, do not fire unless fired upon. And the border, uh, the National Guard guys jumped in their vehicle and, and called Mayday, Mayday, and dashed back to the north. And then dozens of Border Patrol agents rushed to the area and there's a lot of commotion. They couldn't find the guys with guns. They evidently all walked back to Mexico. What was it? It was a decoy action. The cartel simply uh, ran their drugs miles away, north or east and west of that action when they drew all the border patrol there. So. We need to really man the international boundary. We're a sovereign country. We need to secure our own boundary, in my opinion. Wow, no, I mean, that, that that's very clear now. And I, and I think, like I said, I've been covering this for a while, but my brain never really honed in on what you're saying, that 
they're not exactly at the border. I want to go back to one of the consequences of ceding so much territory to them in this hope of, of catching them later in this depth and defense strategy that you're talking about. You talked about these forest fires and, you know, it's funny. There's so many things in this country that happen as a result of illegal immigration that they'll never talk about. They'll never link up. So I would have never even known that. You're saying there are forest fires that were set by illegals. I talked to some of my border guys when you you mentioned that to me when we talked on the phone, and they they were wondering if a lot of that could be could have been set by the cartels as diversions as well. Do you have any insight in that? Yes. Uh, I'm sure it was partially diversion and uh, also just uh, the smugglers coming through, they throw a cigarette down and that starts a fire. But I think most of the fires, I've had over five of them on my ranch and cost millions of dollars each fire for the Forest Service to put out. Uh, One was a guy was doped up and he uh, set a fire that burned around 3,000 acres and uh, it was a fire to say I'm in trouble come find me <laughs> so there are a number of reasons for the fires but it's mainly I think decoy fires wow that, that that's nuts because I know our friends at fair um, you know, they put out their cost study every year, roughly 116 billion cost of illegal immigration. They always say it's 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 a conservative estimate of uh, their cost. You know, it, it doesn't include the drug crisis and all that, which is just in the billions, hundreds of billions. But now you're saying there's another thing: the cost of of the fires that we'll never notice because what I guess it's just ensconced in the Department of Interior budget. Department of Agriculture and Interior mm. Budget. You're right. Yeah, so it's just it's just a line item there, and you'll never know you know what caused it because we certainly have a lot of uh, natural forest fires every year. Um, and again, I, I've spent many years covering this issue, and I didn't really know about that. And I, after you told me that, I I, sh- I, I uh, checked with Sheriff uh, Mark Daniels in neighboring Cochise County. He was like, "Yeah, this happens all the time." Um, something that you know, again, the bureaucrats in, in Washington certainly uh, don't care for it. Never, never pay attention to. Um, just really, really sad. I, I want to. We're, we're running out of time here, and I want to. Gosh, there's so much to discuss. I don't even know where to go. Um, you know, I'm curious what you think living in these ranches where you fear for your life, where you have cartel activity. So the media likes to say that, hey, you know, you don't understand. It's not such a problem. It's not a problem like you're talking about because El Paso and Douglas and Nogales, these border cities, McAllen, um, they're the safest cities around. The, the murder rate is so low. Um, so I don't know what you're talking about with the problem with the cartels. What would you say to those people? Say they're right. I can be more specific with regard to Nogales. It's a reasonably small town on our side. There are about 400,000 on the Mexican side. 
and about every fifth person in Nogales is a law enforcement official. Maybe customs agent, maybe a border patrol agent, could be a sheriff, could be the city police guy. Uh, and uh, in these areas, they have walls. And uh, so uh, Nogales is very safe. About one in five people are in law enforcement. So, that, that, so what happens? What happens is, is because these areas have been secured, the traffic is pushed west. In our case, west of Nogales, I'm about ten miles west of Nogales. That pushes the the real bad traffic, the drug traffic, mm. through these areas. So uh, it's important, you know, to seal the border at the ports of entry in towns like Nogales. But what it does is forces the bad guys through the 25-mile gap uh, between the Sassabe Wall coming east and the Nogales Wall coming west forces the action through our area. So the tighter they make it in Nogales, the more uh, we receive in terms of the drug traffic. That's really interesting. So you're saying that when they talk about how secure these places are, they're actually proving your point that they're disregarding the rural areas. Um, yeah, of course, if, if you're a cartel guy, you have the highest number of um, law enforcement per capita in America in these type of places because you got Border Patrol, you got ICE, you got DEA. There's a lot of DEA there more than elsewhere um, on top of any state or county assets. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty dumb to come in and play in sight in those areas. Well, we the problem we do have is obviously with the you know bogus asylum, the legal immigration. Um, and the humanitarian problems as a result of that, the strain on our hospitals and resources. But what it does is drive the criminal activity to wh where they deny that it's happening, but you're saying it is happening. It happens first on your ranch, and then it happens eventually in North Carolina, Washington, Montgomery County, Maryland, Long Island, New York, all the places they settle and network, um, as well as in places like Phoenix and Tucson. Correct. One thing that nobody seems to realize is there are bad guys and gangs in Tucson and Phoenix that come out and try and intercept the drug traffic coming through. They're called rip crews. And so bad guys in Phoenix and Tucson come out and try and rip off the drugs from the drug packers. And we've actually had a little war between drug packers and rip crews uh, <laughs> on our ranch. And our neighboring ranch is where a Border Patrol agent was killed by a rip crew. And uh, on my ranch on June the 12th of 2018, uh, one of our wonderful Border Patrol agents was shot five times. Uh, he survived, uh, but <laughs> why don't we secure the whole border, not just places like the 
big wall, no gallows. And, and, and you're right. The, 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 the dumb thing about it is it's so counterintuitive. There's two issues. There's the legal immigration slash strain humanitarian stuff, and then there's the cartel criminal activity. But ironically, we're putting all of our resources to where you have the legal immigration where our agents are just being used. They're not de- deterring and sending them back. They're They're processing them. And then that opens the lane wide open elsewhere, and the cartels bring in the aliens on purpose to do that there. Um, the Forgotten Ranchers, this is really very, um, very telling. Very, um, I, I just want to reiterate for our audience because it's something I haven't thought about much as well. This other point you're bringing up that um, it just jives with everything I'm seeing holistically observing this issue throughout the country. That, yeah, I mean, they're not the more. Re- the more resources we've beefed up at the border, and we certainly have over the last 20, 25 years, the fewer criminal elements are going to stay around the border. They're, not, they're going to come in through remote areas. You have the problems from that. And then eventually they're just going to go to either the big cities um, along the border states like like Phoenix, Tucson, Houston's a big one. South Houston is a known problem. Um, but then really a lot of them, it's, it's Chicago. It's a... Uh, and it's the East Coast. So that all is a result. That all starts from ranches like yours. That is the ground zero. And you know, if you're holding the line there for those 27 miles, you're, you don't have to hold the line for 4,000 square miles and then eventually hold the line for 50 states where they get in all over. Is, is that pretty much a summation of what you're saying? Exactly. You're right on. Man, um, we're we're almost just about out of time here. I don't even know how to prioritize this. I got to get you on for uh, for another time because this is just truly enlightening. We don't hear stories like this uh, in, the, in just the soundbite cable news and media um, just talking about distractions and not really getting to the core policies that are going to uh, going to make a difference. So I certainly uh, appreciate your time. Um, have you had any success in getting some of this message out to the president? You know, when you when you met him. Yes, he asked me to come on stage, and I was he, I was kind of scared, frankly. I walked up and shook his hand. Do you know what he said to me? Have fun, have fun. He turned over the mic. He didn't know what I was going to say. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to say, and I. Uh, said a few paragraphs and got off that stage. So I didn't have a chance, I think to your point, to talk to him Mm. about the issue. We got to get you in there because the problem is the president meets people like you. And I think he he gets a certain drive, a certain uh, vision, which is correct. But then, you know, he goes back to Washington and, and a lot of the people around him in the agencies and certainly in the White House really don't don't understand what you're saying, much less uh, are pushing for it. And, and that's why we get kind of interesting strategies coming out of this White House that are often conflicting. So I, I really wish we could um, just get you to somehow get in with them <laughs> because few people have this story and, and, and few people own this land. I mean, can I ask, are you the largest ranch in the state? No, no. I'm... Uh... A large ranch, but they're much larger ranches. And because it's uh, semi-desert, uh, I 
run one cow for every 50 acres. Uh, back in the Midwest and in the East Coast, you can run one cow per acre. And so that's why the ranches are large. Mm. And 87% of Arizona is owned by the federal government or the state government or Indian tribes. And we only have uh, 13% of Arizona in private land. And more than half of that is in the cities and towns. So so that I, I wanted to segue into our final question. I took a lot of your time. I want to let you go um, before we wrap up here. But you talk about federal land. So this is what I don't understand. Unlike in Texas, where you got a lot of private land, 100% private, it's not leased, it's just totally private along the border. In Arizona, especially your area, okay, federal land. Why is it that we don't have these access roads and other infrastructure? And could you talk a little bit about how the environmental groups that might be fronts for the illegal immigration groups that don't seem to care about the environmental concerns of the cartels um, controlling the land, but are concerned about our federal officials having more operations on this land. It's really interesting that the environmental, the radical environmental community in our area has rallied and said to the point that we need wildlife corridors from Mexico into the United States, that we need um, access for uh, animals and birds and, and snakes to come into the United States rather than securing the border with a fence barrier or wall. Uh, and one portion of the U.S. government, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife, has said that uh, our area is critical habitat for the jaguar. And it's more important to let jaguars possibly come into the United States. Uh, we've never had a female uh, that here, uh, and we may never, but it, we need to have wildlife connectivity with Mexico in the case that someday, maybe 25 or 50 years from now, a jaguar female might come into the United States. So uh, it's really a curious situation that we have a lot of people saying you shouldn't have a wall, you shouldn't have a fence or barrier because we need wildlife connectivity with Mexico. Uh, I'm trying to get the legal arrangement clear here. If, if you If you are okay with building things there, so you're saying that that's not enough? I'm okay with building a fence wall or barrier uh, because I think uh, national security, uh, possibility of ISIS coming across. You no, know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to draw. I, I know, I know why. Of course, I'm, I'm saying legally, it, even if you sign off on it, the environmentalists could still grind it to a halt. I predict if. Uh, President Trump uh, starts to build a fence wall or barrier that he will be sued by the radical environmentalists saying 
that uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife has identified this area as jaguar critical habitat, with the threat being a wall, uh, roads, lighting, and human activity. And uh, so the courts will, over time, sort it out. But uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife uh, is on the side of letting the drug packers come through, uh, letting the illegal immigrants come through uh, in the name of wildlife connectivity with Mexico. Yep. And the true connectivity that they want is the people connectivity and the cartel connectivity um, to keep that flowing. Well, Thanks so much for enlightening us on all this. Um, I really appreciate this very long interview. You've given us a full hour here. Uh, you know, I'm going to link to you. You have a website, right? Correct. Okay, is that ChiltonRanch.com? Correct. So we're going to link to that in show notes, so just people could check out who you are. Um, just great American story, and it's just such a shame that iconic ranches that were in families for so many years um, doesn't matter. The wants, desires, the special interests and illegal immigrants and cartels is what rules the roost in Washington. Hopefully we can get this changed. Thanks so much for speaking out and thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Well, there you have it, folks. That was Jim Chilton, a really great American patriot and a prominent prominent border rancher in Pima County, Arizona. Come on, guys. Wasn't that great? You know, we're always hearing from the needs of special interests and illegals. We never hear from our ranchers. I know there was a lot there, and there's a lot to unpack because each thing he said, you know, it sounds very simple. He doesn't speak like a bureaucrat. But there's so much common sense wisdom and someone that has grown up ranching his whole life. He's my understanding is he's 80 years old now. Um, so much learned experience. And everything he's saying has a policy punchline to it. It really does, if you think about it. Because what bothers me is ever since these numbers came out. Even all these Fox News phony conservatives, they're now hijacking it all for their purpose, which is all about the president. It's all about the president. Oh, you see, it is an emergency. It is an emergency. And therefore, they get involved in the emergency declaration and the $2.5 billion. I'm like, you idiots. Yes, you're right. The president should shove that in their faces and whatever. But the issue is not the $2.5 billion. It's a policy problem that we don't believe in our own sovereignty. As I was doing this interview, it came out another California judge in the most obnoxious opinion around. I didn't get a chance to read it, but I saw blurbs. Said that the the, the um, Census Bureau has no right to ask a citizenship question, much less eliminate illegals from the census, which they weren't even trying to do. That wasn't even a part of this. So all these people coming in now, they're telling you they must be counted in the census. We have allowed that as a nation, we don't believe in our nation. We don't believe in a country. We don't believe in a border. It's not about border funding or a border wall. It's about a boundary in a nation state itself. We don't believe in it. And that's what he, the subtlety of what he's talking about. It's very subtle. It's a subtle point. 
Strategically, it's very important, but it's also subtle philosophically. There's logistical things to why they don't want to patrol the perimeter up and down. It's harsh land. They don't want their agents to live in that condition. But there's a philosophy too. We're okay. It's part of the cost of doing business. Yeah, you know, cartels are going to control a certain amount of land. And again, it's not a certain amount of land. It's eventually all 50 states because, like you said, they have their dudes stationed everywhere and then they come out to meet um, to meet them or sometimes attack them if they're rivals. And you now have you know rival cartel warfare on our soil. We're okay with that. Yeah, we, we see it on the cameras and the drones will come out and investigate. We're being invaded. Put it on the line. And if it's too much of a job for Border Patrol, that's what we need the military for. I'm sorry, we've, we've we spent so much on the military to the point that we now have to spend on everything else, right? Because that's the whole issue. The left holds military spending hostage for the other spending, so we have to increase both. So at least let's get the get our sovereignty for it. No, it's only politically correct. Again, it's always doing for others, doing for Afghanistan, doing for Syria, doing for the humanitarian crisis of the Central Americans. What about for our own ranchers like Jim? That is the question. This week has barely begun, and it is so busy. We're going to have a lot more. We're going to try to do a show every day this week. Um, More guests. Again, we're going to link to our latest articles, 12 astounding numbers that show the whole invasion of our border. I just put that out. Don't miss it. This is your one-stop shop. The truth, policy, politics, messaging, the entire holistic vision of sovereignty illegal immigration, cartels, drug trafficking, courts. All of this matters. We got to stay focused to the linchpins, the force multipliers of what actually is causing a lot of these problems. And let's not get distracted on stupid things or non sequiturs and personalities. It's not about any one person. It's not about defending or attacking any one person. It's about making sure that we have a sovereign nation. Thank you all for listening. God bless. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience. 